Welcome to the Dames Who Dish podcast. Hey, we are taping a special episode this week. I talked about being gone last week. I just haven't left yet. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see on Instagram that Lindsay had an egg retrieval? Lindsay from Summer House? Um, Didn't we know that was happening? Yeah, but she actually had it and Carl took her. So I also think Carl could take her as a best friend. You know how we're discussing like oh, if Carl and Lindsay. If it's a legit relationship or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I'm, mm, I'm questioning. I'm still questioning. Yeah. Even if she had the egg retrieval, she was doing that anyway. And him as a best friend would take her. Of course he would. Who wouldn't? I still kind of, yeah. I still kind of question it. So tonight is the reunion, isn't it? Wait, today's Monday. Is it on tonight or tomorrow? Not sure. Hmm. I never remember. I just go I by what's either. being taped. Well, sometime this week. <laughs> sometime <laughs> this week is a reunion. We are going to miss this week talking about the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yeah, we'll catch up next week. Let's talk about the Real Housewives of Atlanta. A Ralph, 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 Ralph. People are calling him Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So Ralph and Drew were the topic this week, and I, I, I don't understand what Ralph thinks he's doing. Does or he, does he even he's know? Playing it cool? Does he think, oh, my guys will have my back? They didn't. By the way, no guys watch this fucking show. Ralph, who do you think is going to have your back? Todd didn't have his back. Sonya's husband, what's his name? Evan? Is it Evan? No, <laughs> no. no? Evan Ross. Evan doesn't sound right. It probably is. You're always right, Gina. Uh, <laughs> Let me look it up, though. Would you say his name was Evan? Aaron. <sighs> Aaron. Wrong. Okay, oh, Aaron. Phew. I thought you were going to be right. There Aaron for a with minute. an E. Uh, Aaron with an A. A A R O N. Okay. And now we know. Even, even Aaron, who was his supposed friend, didn't have his back. No, Aaron didn't have his back. I mean, <sighs> Todd was making fun of him. It's like, dude, come on, come I on. Love- Todd. Todd's like the grandfather of the group. He's like. Guys, you can't pull anything over these women's eyes. Come on. And I love how Todd was like, Ralph, my wife can't stop talking about your assistant. (laughs) Well, yeah, because Candy pulled up her picture. So we find out that this woman is 50. She's old. He was kind of age shaming her. I didn't like it. Exactly. He's like, Drew, she's like in her 50s. Like, so Ralph. I think Ralph just likes the attention. He's a narcissist. He loves the attention. He does. I just read an article that said that Drew almost divorced him over this situation. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty big freaking deal. It is a big deal. The way that he was trying to make up, he's very shifty and shady, that Ralph. And she knows it. Drew knows it. She knows it. And I feel like she, don't you feel like she's very embarrassed by him this season? She should be. It's very cringy. But wait a minute. When he did all this shit, with the flowers and yeah, the dinner it was and all way this stuff. too much. She was eating it up. Or was she faking that? She mm, seemed very into it. Yeah, but I mean, it's totally out of character. I think he did it for the cameras to show, oh, look, look what a great guy I am. Look, I went through all this trouble. But she's not allowed to talk about any of their issues. No. He wants to sweep it all under the rug. Maybe he just doesn't want to talk about it on camera. Well, no, he's like, all of that's in the past because look what I've done for you. Yeah. So he said he fired the assistant, but he still talks to her. Which makes no sense. It it also makes Makes it worse. The connection and why he should have been talking to her was because she was his assistant. Now that she's not the assistant, there should be no contact. Exactly. But I don't like the way that Drew even responds to him. Like when he tells her that, well, yeah, I mean, in a roundabout kind of way that he's still talking to her, Drew's like, all right, okay. Does she not want to make a big scene on camera or is she really just okay with it? She probably is okay with it. I hear you. I see what you're seeing because that's how I felt. I feel like she's not okay with it, but she doesn't want to make waves either. Yeah. 
Why not? Why not make waves? Well, I, you're I the breadwinner. I, I kind of feel like she's afraid of him a little bit. Mm. It does come across like that. So when they were at dinner and he was talking about reassessing himself and reassessing everything and the order for him should be God and then mm. him himself and then Drew and then the kids. Mm. So he put himself before mm-hmm. Drew and the kids. Mm-hmm. That's how highly he thinks of himself. He also thinks that that is the right thing to say. Like, I'm, exactly. supposed, to, I'm supposed to love myself first. It's like, you're such a fucking idiot. Even if you believe that, you don't say it, Ralph. Of course not. You always put your wife first. Even if you don't mean it. And clearly you don't mean it. And uh, honestly, the kids even before Drew, the, he, the kids were last. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you rank, but... My kids are kind of up there. Up my kids there. are blood. <laughs> <laughs> They're my blood. Blood is thicker than water. Don't ask me to do Sophie's Choice here, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> but right? Wasn't it weird that he put the kids last? I think in some Christian faiths. Because remember, her Drew's mom is like a minister or whatever. Don't Christian faiths feel like the husband or the wife is way up there before the kids? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. But let's go back to... Kenya? Well, yeah. Well, in the beginning, Kenya goes to see Sheree's house and they go into the basement, which oh. five years ago was not done. And they had a big thing about that. That's a fantastic basement. Who lives in that house? That is, is it just Sheree or does her mom live there? Mm. And her daughter? Does well, her daughter live there too? Her mom was there. I feel like the mom, the daughter, she's got another son and another daughter or is that the only daughter? No, that's her oldest daughter. Yeah. And then she has two other kids. Two other kids. Yeah. A daughter and another son. I actually saw that house when I was in Atlanta. You drove and by it? And it was under construction. <gasps> well, remember it was under construction yeah, for forever. a really long time. Did you ever go by Kenya's house? Cause I did. They live by... Right yes. down the street. Yeah. You couldn't get down the driveway, could you? <laughs> it's way deep down. I thought, oh my God, if there's heavy rain, she's in Ooh. trouble. I think Sheree did a fantastic job at that house. It actually is very beautiful. It's not my taste. It's, but it's too big. It's huge. What do you need a club a in your house? It's a chateau. Mm. Not just a club, a spa, a bar. It's too much. <laughs> what is she doing by herself in that house with a, a club? Come on. Having fun. She is having fun. It's a lot. <laughs> I wish they would do like they do on the Kardashians, the drone, you know, oh, where they, they go, go really fast. Yeah, room, I love that. Through the whole Real entire fast. house. I want to see it all. But oh, Marlo. Marlo. So they showed her apartment again. It's small. It's a small Very place. Very small. So why does she go off on how much money she has when she has this condo? And it's fine. We're fine with that, Marlo. But don't go on and on about how much money you have and shit. I do think that she's she's really good to those boys. Oh, for sure. She's giving him a lot. But you know what I forgot? How many times Marlo was arrested? Yeah. I just saw that on Twitter. Somebody yeah. posted. There was like seven There's mug a, shots. a bunch of them. For what? I, I think just little petty crimes. Mm, I, I don't, don't want to say. Seven times. That's a, that's a lot. Seven times? <laughs> <laughs> Some people are engaged seven times. Some people are in jail seven times. That's right. She has the assistants that are a, a husband-wife team. Manager. and Manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Drew has, I don't know, I counted at least four. three or four assistants. She was numbering her assistants. Again, what is she doing that she needs four assistants? No I clue. I feel like it's just a little bit of peacocking. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, look, I have four assistants. Maybe and- she just has four assistants for when they're filming. 
What do you need all this assistance Just for? Just to say she has four assistants. And what about that one who's Sheree's sometimes assistant he's and a telling little... telling Drew shit about Sheree? Yeah, he seemed a little thirsty. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. For sounds sure. Like, sounds like some of the ones from Salt Lake City. That one from Salt Lake City, the well, designer the fact guy. That they're all sharing assistants. It's a little <laughs> strange. Sheree's like, I've only used him a few times. Well, what's he doing? Yeah, well, and why do you, an assistant a few times? Don't call him an assistant. Let's call him interns. Yes. Maybe they're really Get some Sonia Morgan interns. It's an exchange. I give you a little camera time yeah. and you do some work for me. Right. And well, we'll that, call you assistant. That guy's an idiot because oh, he's yeah. not going to get any more jobs after that. Of course not. He's telling all her business. <laughs> Are we going to hear that business? Is Drew going to spill that business? The yeah, guy told of course. Her. And then Sheree's going to deny it. You got to watch out who you're, who you're hiring <laughs> as an assistant. Frankly, that's the reason why I don't have one. Exactly. It's too much trouble. <laughs> too much. I have, I have too much going on that they might tell people about. <laughs> what else? So Candy had the Broadway show. I guess it it was on Broadway or off Broadway from October until March just recently. Yeah. Good for Good her. Good for her. She has her hand in so many things. I know. She's a moneymaker. Yep. Not much else. Yeah, I mean, Ro- um, Ross, Ralph and uh, Drew were the two. Took up everything. Big storyline. They went to Blaze. By the way, did you notice that the name of the Blaze restaurant is Candy and Todd Presents Blaze? Yeah. Isn't that weird? I didn't like the decor inside those Mm-mm. aqua booths. Mm-mm. Also, not great reviews. <sighs> Man. Even yeah. the bar. It's like, if you want a bar want a to cool be. Vibe. Yeah, if you want a bar to be fun and hang out at the bar, like. You got to have a cool vibe. Well, let's talk about their party. So did you watch Candy and the Gang, the finale? Yes. Oh, yeah. Very disappointing Friday night vibe. It, it was awful. Here's the thing. They said before the pandemic, they had Friday night lives that were great. So much fun. People would come to them. They showed pictures and videos of those. There's like 75 people there. Not is that it great. open to the public or is it like yeah. a private party? No, it's you can go because they said they had the same people coming almost every Friday night. It's just like a Friday Outdoor night thing. party thing. You probably pay to get in, and then you have music. To me, it seemed like kind of a talent show. It was awful. Like, here's some local people singing. It was awful. It, it was, was awful. That guy would never get a job again. If Taryn? Like, if that's the way he does a party, all of it was just so unorganized. What well, was unorganized? They didn't have ice. They didn't have the drinks weren't made on time. I don't know what was going on with the food. They, they wanted didn't, somebody they didn't to have rent to runners. the store. What did he do besides? He, he got all the shit out there. He got the streamers. He got the vibe or whatever that stupid this sign dance was. Floor and the... He got the DJ. He got the talent, which that's questionable. It was like volunteer talent. <laughs> Local talent. Like I said, a talent show. It was bad. There was no paid talent. Although they did have musicians. They had like yeah, drummers. Like, and... By the end of the evening, when they had the singer and the dancers, that guy was fantastic. I don't know who he was. Oh, he was the guy that he was in the show earlier. He oh, was he was Candy's, Candy's assistant. Or no, Candy's um, choreographer. Something like that. Talent manager. He had talent. He was good. He was the only one. And then Patrick did propose to Miriam Tushin. <laughs> you will not call Miriam her. Safari. You will not call her Safari. I'm calling She's her Miriam, Miriam Safari. By the way, he got down on two knees because he's like fucking praying for her to say yes. He he was sweet. I it mean, was actually nice. very cute. He looked good. He's kind of he's still so do do do. Poor yeah, poor Patrick. But they tied up all the loose ends, so Philip is staying on. He's decided he's gonna 
Make Philip changes. Philip is an asset to them. I think 100%. so. So Brian, how fantastic was that? Todd's going to invest in Brian's soul rolls, soul rolls, and give him a location. Forget the food truck. He's going to give him an actual location near, I guess, near OLG, right? I think so. Yeah. See, when they did the six months after for all of these people, they're all still in kind of the same place. So that's why this should have been such a good show because they really do work there. They really are friends. But somewhere along the line, either there was too many episodes and they tried to do too many stupid things in there. It fell off a little bit. It if did. They, if they cut it a little tighter, I think it would have been really good. Now, I'm concerned about Brian because uh, I did see him drinking wine a couple of times. He can drink wine, though, Gina. Remember? Mm. He just can't drink the hard stuff. What about the other kid? who Chardo? was Chardo. He, he was drinking on the job. Fired. I like Chardo. I thought he was like this too. innocent kid. That just shows you you never know. You never know. No, and I was... love that uh, Shandrika like totally ratted him out. Well, he was taking money under the table to see people. Have you ever done that? Have you ever greased somebody for a table? No, because I would be totally embarrassed if I was trying to slip somebody a 20 and they said, no, sorry. Okay. We, we don't do that. So we did that one time. Did it work? I did not do it. It was at House of Prime Rib in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. It was a huge long line. Somebody's told us we could do it. It was a 10-minute conversation of how much is appropriate and how much is too much. <laughs> 5, 10, 20, yeah. what? I'm like, 5, no freaking way. 20 no. maybe too much. Let's go for the 10. So we did it. And the, we have no idea. The guy took it. We have no idea if it brought us up in the line. The guy said a half hour. It was 20 minutes. So... I maybe maybe 10 minutes did, off of your way. But it was very funny. He was so nervous. Oh my. I would be too, just <laughs> for the simple too. fact that they would go, um, no, we don't do that <laughs> here. Do Get that. back in line. <laughs> but somebody told us the maitre d does do that. That's funny. So funny. So, so yeah. So do you think it's going to come back for no. another season? Mm-mm. I don't think so but either. But did you see that Andy had them on Watch What Happens Live for a reunion? They were on video, right? Yeah. And everybody's still together. Like Safari and Patrick got a beautiful house. Yes. Planning their wedding for next year. Everybody's still working there, still happy, still together. They need to work out some of the little kinks in the show. Yeah, they need to clean the restaurant is what they need to do. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. But man, there's lines there all the time. At least that's what they show us. They they say there's lines down the street every time. Yeah. So did you watch the reunion of Selling Sunset? I did. What'd you think? What'd you think of the host? Didn't really care for him. Oh, he's from Queer Eye. Yeah. I thought he was fine. I thought he was okay. I mean, we have to put it in perspective. It was Selling Sunset reunion. Right. So I feel like it's a little bit of a fake show anyway. Now we go into Selling Sunset after this with our friend Rit. And so when we talked about Selling Sunset, it was obviously before this reunion. So there's a yeah. few things that came out at the reunion, like Chriselle saying that she has a girlfriend now. So she is dating an Australian singer that is non-binary. Yes. She was in their video. Yeah. And that's G-flip. how they kind of got together. I mean, when they showed the video, the song was fine, but it was like, wow. I, you know what? A little did, racy. Uh, yeah. Well, she did say she was an actress and that's her True. passion. But, so were they together when she did the video or was it after that video that no, they got I together? Think it was after. I think mm. that's where they met. But now I kind of think maybe Jason and Chriselle really were a couple. Oh, I think they were. Well, Rit I mean, he explains. got a little he was emotional. emotional. Our friend Rit, he has some connections and he said, you guys will hear it, but he says that he has it on very good authority that they really were together. Yeah. So her outfit was so 
extra. It was totally inappropriate for that reunion. <laughs> it looked like she was on Dynasty or something. Oh, definitely. It was too much. <laughs> Mary didn't have a lot to say. She was her nervous little self. Yeah, she was. Christine wasn't there. Why was Why was Mary's husband there? He said zero. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing. I guess because he was the only male that they showed. Mm-hmm. Emma had this big dress on too, and I hated yeah, her hair. I, was I like, hated her Stop hair. Stop swooping up the hair and living a tendril down. It looked no. horrible. No, no, no. I Maya actually, was the only one who looked like she was just going normal. to work. Yeah, she looked like she was going to work. Right. I also thought that Davina looked really pretty. Davina looked pretty. The new girl, she was overdressed too. Well, in she's her big gown. always overdressed. So that was interesting, her reaction to after seeing the show and what they all told her about Christine. She kept kind of saying, well, you know, she's still my friend. I know there's two sides and then the truth, but, you know, I'm not, I'm still not going to pass judgment on anybody. She did mention her accent because she said people were calling her out for having a fake accent. So I guess she only lived in the UK for 10 years and then she lived in other places. Mm-hmm. Her parents are from somewhere else also. So there's that accent. So it's, it's like she's got a Dorit accent. It's a little of, bit of this well, and a no, little bit Dorit, of that. Dorit is fucking American <laughs> and she did like a year in Madrid or wherever she, where was she? In Spain? No, London. Uh, Dorit yeah. is completely fabricated. Well, we know that husband, now. Well, because her husband is English, and True. then she's picked up stuff. She's adapted a little bit. But yes. Chelsea, if Christine leaves, which she's saying publicly that she's gone, that she started her own business, it's perfect because Chelsea slid in, and she's yes. going to take Christine's place. Yes, but I think Chelsea is so much nicer. So who's going to be the mean girl? So Maya was completely shocked about Chriselle. Yeah, they focused on her a lot. Yeah, but then she was like, "That's great, you know." As long nobody, as you're happy. nobody really cares. Nobody the, cares. The biggest shocker is that the reason why her and Jason broke up was because he didn't want to have a baby, and he seems like shit. I blew it. Doesn't it seem like that? I think he does think that. Yeah. He kind of did blow it. But if mm. he, you know, if he doesn't want to have kids and he doesn't want to have kids. Right. Yeah. He likes his lifestyle. Yeah. It'd be hard, hard not to like that lifestyle, I guess. How come they didn't mention the brother breaking up with his girlfriend? He did? Yeah. The blonde The tall girl? blonde? I don't think she's tall. The one with all the tattoos. Well, I guess they're all taller than <laughs> the Oppenheim brothers. <laughs> yeah. I think they broke up. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I can totally tell them apart. Can you? Oh, yes. I think Jason's more attractive. I think Jason is more attractive. But it's weird because I can't figure out what makes him more attractive. Something with the mouth. Mouth something. Yeah. yeah. Is there going to be another season? Of course. Is Chriselle I... coming back? Oh, I think Chriselle's going to come back. I think this is her livelihood I don't know now. why we watch this stupid damn show anyway. so annoying. it's just so fake. We also talk about that. After this, we go on with all the other streaming shows that we're talking about, and we talk about how fake this show is. It's filler. So let's talk about what happened during our recording with Rit, who mm. we have on as our special guest. It was quite a shit show, Oh, Anne. my God. So first, um, we were perfectly fine. We were on Zoom, and Zoom ran out. So then we start again, and we have a huge discussion about selling Sunset and the ultimatum. It was so good. It was really good and intense. And we were giving you a really hard time because you liked it. It went on for a good 20 minutes. And I looked down and I wasn't recording. So you will hear that. (laughs) There's a little part where we're kind of in the middle of selling Sunset. And I go, well, I did it again. (laughs) So that's what that means. 
I freaking forgot recording. And then we talk about the ultimatum again and like for about two seconds. So we were yeah. over it. We were tired of talking about it. We kind of went on with other things. Then we had another stop where the batteries ran out in our recorder. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite an evening. Yes. So it's kind of all over the place, but it's kind of fabulous at the same time. We talk about literally 15 to 20 different shows. And you're going to love Rit because he's yes. so fun and he's got so much background information yep. and is in the biz. Yeah. So it's fun. So in the beginning, he talks about his job and then uh, then we go on to all the streaming shows. So please enjoy. We're going to put this out extra early because I want to make sure it gets out. <laughs> because Anne's going to be on vacation yeah, again. Last time I left and Dan was home oh. and I set it up to go out. And it never went out. So I call him and he was a little tipsy <laughs> and he goes to put out the show because it just didn't, whatever, it didn't load for some reason. And oh, it was quite something. It's the one with chefs do. And it was like, oh, forget it. Just push it. Just put it out. <laughs> so this time I'm putting it out early so I don't have to worry about it. Anyway, enjoy your week. We will be back next week with all new shows. Yep. All right. One, two, three. All right, and it's on the count of three. We were <laughs> we didn't do it at the same time. I thought we did, didn't we? It sounded like it on our end. This is our special extra episode. While we're on vacation, we invited one of our really close podcast friends. This is our friend who we actually met in person in L.A. His name is Rit. He's from the Reality Tonight podcast. But what we haven't told you is that for the last nine months... Rit has been working on the Real Housewives of Orange County. Welcome, Rit. Hey, Rit. Hi. Thank you both for having me. And I think it's very generous that you said you invited me on because I literally invited myself on. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I recall. <laughs> well, you are, we are with, happy you, to have you. You are without a job right now since you finished Orange County. Yeah. Yeah. So this is me just in search of something to fill my days. And I can't <laughs> think of anything more enjoyable than drinking at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> And talking to you. Tell us what you can about your job working on The Real Housewives of Orange County. Well, it was one of those things that I never thought I was going to do because it. You, I always heard from people who have worked on these shows that they're really overwhelming and complex and massive. And then I finished Vanderpump Dogs and I heard that Heather was coming back to Orange County and it was the same company that I did Vanderpump Dogs for. And then I heard that they were bringing in um, a housewife of color for the first time. I was like, man, that would be a really interesting series to come back to. And it would be a fun challenge to have to kind of lift it out of the wreckage of last season. <laughs> so I reached out to them and I said, you know, I'd be really interested. And they were like, okay, but it's, it's tough. Like it is tough. And I was like, I got this, no problem. So that's how I ended up doing it. And it was equal parts, fun, challenging, really tough in some ways, but I definitely learned a lot about myself on the other side of it. I don't think I would ever do a housewife show again. It's just not for me. But believe me, and you know it, like the amount of work that every single person puts into these shows is just like you think you know, and then you actually see it. And it's just it's really wild. So I have nothing but respect for everyone who sticks around in housewives world. I was sort of a one and done glad I did it. And that's kind of it for me. What was your actual job? What did you uh, actually do? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I can uh, I could try, I could explain it because I feel like I know what you did, but I want you to explain what you did because it's much bigger than people I think would think. Yeah, I think what's really weird about reality TV is 
you can have a certain title, but it doesn't mean the same thing from show to show. So I was the co-executive producer in post. I was the first person who had eyes on the footage. Um, it was my job to sort of wrap my head around every single scene that was shot. And they shot from, it was July to October. And they shot sometimes six days a week. And then in any given day, it's not like it's one crew like, oh, we'll go to Shannon's house. Next, we'll go to Heather's. It's one crew at this person's house. Meanwhile, another crew is at the sauna shooting this thing. So it's so much footage to get through. So I would read the notes and kind of understand what was happening, the relationships, who was dropping bombs and all that stuff. And it was my job to really track the story for the whole season and then to take each scene and structure every episode. So you put on an episode, the main credits happen, and then, oh, we're at Gina's, and she and Travis are, I don't know, making a charcuterie board or whatever. So that was, there was like thought into that, that that scene had to come first for like 10 different reasons that you would never think of. So all those little details I had to map out. And then I was working with the editors and the story team, kind of directing them like, okay, guys, this team, you're doing episode one, here's what happens. And I walked them through the whole episode. But the caveat is, if you watch it, and it feels different to you, and you watch all the footage, and give me ideas, tell me how you want to change it. So it's constantly fluid. And that's just the first pass. And then the network gets three to four rounds of watching the episode and noting it, giving all their thoughts and changes. And then we all have to huddle together and figure out, okay, if we do this change, that's going to affect the next two episodes. So then it's my job to go forward and fix that ripple effect. So that was the repeated process for nine months. And it was 17 episodes plus two reunions. So you can see, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's also dealing with personalities. So. It sounds kind of like a nightmare, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Gina, um, you know, uh, I can't comment on that word specifically. <laughs> However, uh, you are a smart lady. So <laughs> I'll leave it at that. So how much interaction do you actually have with the cast? Zero. There's another co-executive producer in the field. There's a supervising producer in the field. There's the showrunner. All of those people have their relationships with the cast. In fact, it's better for us to be separate from them because oftentimes they don't like what they see and they get they have reactions. And if they have a direct connection to us in post, there's a lot of like lines crossed with that. And so everything is communicated from the showrunner to us in post. So it goes through them. If for some reason all the producers were sick, and someone had to conduct an interview, I would have potentially gone down to Orange County to do an interview. And that would be a time that I would be face to face with them. But other than that, it is frowned upon. I have two questions for you. You may or may not be able to answer. Mm-hmm. What happened to Nicole? Mm-hmm. What's the other question? <laughs> All right. The other question is, when you heard Heather was coming back, you were like, this could be a cool opportunity. Was it what you thought it would be? I'm just going to talk about Heather in particular, because I think we all had a vision of Heather coming back, what it would be like. Even the first episode of her in her house was kind of fabulous. Yeah, it was pretty fabulous. And then it changed. Did it just, was it just so much different than you thought it would be? Yeah, in a way it was. I will say overall for the cast, they are exactly the way they are on the show. That's how they are in real life. So what you see is what you get. There was no like, editing trickery to make someone look better or make someone look worse. I mean, they really, to their credit, they give all of themselves as much as they feel comfortable on camera. Heather was interesting because midway through, I sort of realized that uh, much like when Kenya came back to Atlanta and not that Heather's behavior was the same, but just as far as a classic housewife coming back, Kenya was still operating as a housewife from that era when she left. And the job has changed and the role has changed. And I think 
not that Heather stirs things up the way Kenya does, but in terms of behavior, I think Heather was still trying to wrap her head around what the job entailed now. And so I think you got a lot of that like fabulosity in the house and because that really worked back then, you know, that was what people wanted to see. But since then we've been through, you know, a pandemic and we've all been sort of humbled and our tastes have changed. And I don't think people realize that really. So when they watch like, why is such and such character really rubbing me the wrong way when they didn't before? And it's because we've all changed and our tastes have changed. So I think, you know, I don't know what the status is for next season, but let's just say like, if she returns, I, you know, I have a feeling it'll feel a little different because I think she sort of needed to kind of understand the assignment. And I think, you know, she's crazy smart and she's really interesting. And of course I could live in that house footage forever. So, <laughs> you know, I feel like if she returns next season, I think it would feel different. She made it sound like she's returning next season. I literally, yeah. I can't even tell you how little I know about Yeah, no, season. but, but yeah. when she talks, she makes it sound like she's returning and Noella may not be returning. Like she knows all. Oh, That's kind of Heather, though. Yeah. I think to what you said earlier, watching how Noella brought out a different side of Heather, I thought was so interesting. And I found Heather to be so funny when she was going up against Noella because she just didn't... After a point, Heather was like, I don't give a shit. Like, you're annoying me. You're bothering me. Like, my favorite moment is when they were in Aspen in that van and they were there was, like, multiple arguments were happening. And Noella's like, did you just tell me to shut up? And she's like, yes, shut up. Shut up. Stop lying. Shut up. Like, it was... I thought Heather was so... Like, I just love seeing her, like, just stick up for herself and just, like, not give a crap about how she appears. And it was really interesting to see that side of her. I'm sure she would disagree. I don't think she likes that side of her, but I thought it was really fascinating. Oh, yeah, because Heather likes to produce herself. Well, she likes to be in control at all times. So when she loses control, it's actually fantastic. And the only yeah. person who could push her there, I feel like, was Noella, possibly Shannon at times. But Shannon just cowered this season. No, Noella is, I think, key. And I love the dynamic between the two of them because Noella is the only one who doesn't take Heather's shit. And it just pisses Heather off <laughs> to no end yeah. that she that she does that. I think a lot of it is also you look at where these shows are being shot. I think Orange County and Beverly Hills, they have a tougher time laughing at themselves to an extent just because that's the nature of where they live. When you look at New York, though, you know, everyone just wears their heart in their sleeve and for better or for worse. They're just themselves at all times. So they'll laugh at themselves. Atlanta, they know how to laugh at themselves. Um, so it's just a, it just depends on where you go, where, wherever these shows are shot. It really the environment really determines how a lot of them behave on the show, which is really interesting. That's yeah. very true. Could you ever imagine on the OC somebody shitting on the ground like, oh. like Ramona did? God, no. <laughs> right. God, or Beverly no. Hills, for God's sake. Can you imagine Beverly Hills? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. New York isn't afraid of like just the body, like dirty humor. And Jersey, I think they're so intense about uh, friendships and loyalty and all that stuff. So uh, that's why everything is just ratcheted up in terms of intensity because they're so, that's just the nature of like living there and like, yeah, we're family or friends or family or blood and all that stuff. So, well, it's going to be interesting to see who comes back next season. If Tamara comes back, like rumor has it, she may. Not a Tamara mm -hmm. fan, but we'll no. see. Yeah. I would listen, I'll watch next season. I'm I'm really excited to see where it goes from here because I think um uh, this season changed things in a lot of ways. But I, I think I think this season, not just because I worked on it, but I think there were new facets of Orange County Housewives that were kind of explored this season that we haven't seen before that I think might make the next season there's potential for it to be really interesting. I'll I mean I'll watch for sure. I'm still a fan. So can you just sit back and watch without with without the editor's eye or are you kind of like looking at it and watching as an editor and thinking oh i would have 
done this differently or I would have done that differently. It'd be hard yeah, not no, to, that's, right? That's that's every show. So like, <laughs> what show was I watching recently when they ADR? Oh, it was Selling Sunset. There was oh, a yeah. Where they, there was like a key line that ended an episode and one of the brothers, I don't know their names, I can't never keep them straight, but one of the brothers... We'll, we'll we'll get to the story of all of it, but it was the key line that ended the episode, and that you could tell he just like did it separately, like in a studio or on his mic or something. So those are the things like I can hear because the sound quality is different, and I've had to drop in and on other shows, I've had to drop in those lines before, so I know what's natural sound versus what was recorded. I feel like we can hear that too. I yeah. think so too. I think I think by now the audience can tell. Yeah, for sure. yeah. And we'll have to when we get to selling sunset. Well, let's I talk have about a huge selling. issue. There's some huge oh. continuity issues Ooh. with selling sunset. Let's go there. Don't We're, say. Let's let's yeah. talk about selling sunset. First season that came out, I just wasn't a huge fan. It felt so fake to me. But people kept saying how much they loved it. So I thought, well what am I missing? And I still don't love it, honestly. Well, I think we have to accept it for what it is, which is mostly fake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And I think also it's so beautifully shot. Yes. That you can't help but to not. And look, every corner, I mean, I mean, I should have really pulled the Christina been like, when we popped out, I should have been like, pretty in blue, love that top, <laughs> love your hair. Like the moments when they walk into the office and it's like 25 minutes of just them assessing each other's outfits is like my favorite thing. Complimenting. <laughs> I thought yeah. this season they shot it very light. What do you mean light? Like, like color wise? Bright? Color wise. It was more subdued. Every one on one was shot like a portrait mode picture mm. where everything in the background was hazed. Yeah, I mean look, there's a whole process after the episodes are done from what I do, they move on to color and all that stuff. So there's a whole process of like making things look a little prettier. And it's funny, like I would, you know, we edit on Housewives, I was looking at all the footage in low resolution. And when the show airs, it's like watching a whole new show because mm. I didn't notice that in one interview, Gina had like jewels on her hairline. I must have seen hours of that interview and I never noticed it because I was watching in low res. So when I mm. watch it on TV, it's just like mind blowing what they're able to do. It's so crazy. So yeah, maybe it was a decision they made in that process to change up the look or something. I'm not sure. So do you believe or do we believe that Chriselle and Jason actually had a relationship because there's been a lot of controversy. Now she's in a relationship with the woman. Well, not I really. mean, she hasn't. No, what? That's a rumor with the Australian. Have you seen singer. pictures? Yeah, but it's not. Are they kissing in the pictures? No, no, no. They're just walking in hand. Wait, like holding hands? Yeah. Hmm. Because people Holder are saying that that could be right questionable. Right hmm. Interesting. I mean, Good for her, but a lot of people don't believe that the relationship between her Jason and, Jason. and Chris- Chriselle was real. I felt like he actually really liked her. I felt like he looked at her with little love bubbles in his eyes or whatever, their little hearts. But I feel like she didn't look at him the same way. When he tried yeah. to kiss her, she would turn away. No, she wouldn't turn away. She would rub his head. That's yeah. all she did in every shot. Yes. She was always like, Ugh, like rubbing his head. It was such an odd relationship. <laughs> I mean, I have... Maybe I have heard a little, you know, I had, I had that question myself and my understanding is that it it was the real deal. And, you know, if we didn't see that breakup on camera, it could have been because maybe they didn't want to be on camera. And I don't know. I just, you know, I may have, may have heard some stuff. The stuff that I've heard points to that they were in an actual relationship, which to me, the whole the whole silly thing about that relationship is she was like, we were best friends first, and then we got together. It's like, what was the timeline of that? Like, and you don't just become best friends, like as a mission, like first, we're going to be best friends, then we're going to date. Like, it's such an <laughs> odd thing to say. Like, it takes years, in my opinion, to call someone a best friend. I, I agree. Know. And they film these back to back. So 
four and five were filmed one right after the other. So I'm not sure when this all happened. I mean, they've been working together. Well, I mean, also, there's a lot of speculation about, well, we know it's been proven. A lot of the homes that they showcased weren't actually Oppenheimer properties. They were other properties. Which I think also, um, I think Million Dollar Listing is the same, too. I mean, all of those, like, HGTV shows, they all, like, all that stuff is, they have to BS a little bit. Like, whenever they buy a house, they and they're, what's that one where they're deciding between three properties? And they're like, well, this one mm, has a fence. Yeah, house Hunters. Yeah. That one, they've, yeah, I think the House Hunters, I think they've already purchased the house at the mm-hmm. beginning. And they're just, the other two are nonsense. So, yeah. Oh, House Hunters. What's Good the running joke where they're like, so-and-so is a graphic designer and their budget is $8 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My question, why is Davina there? What What is okay. Davina at? Oh, you want to run down the list of why so-and-so there? Davina, yes. great one. Also, Vanessa. I'm Vanessa. Really... Well, Vanessa might be gone. Okay, let's, let's go down the list. So, Chriselle, we know we know why she's there. Is she a real realtor? I think she is. I think so. I, I think, like, listen, I'm naive as hell, so I I buy all of their like realtor, like the pointing and all the all the verbiage. I'm like, okay, yeah, I buy that. Like, it it works for me. It's very different than million dollar listing because million dollar listing, you can tell they are real realtors because they know what they're talking about. These ladies walk into a house and really you're just looking at what are they wearing? I mean, yeah. they really talk very little real estate. They have the heels that are what, 10 inches? I don't even, I, they can't even walk. Also, the outfits that they wear Ludicrous. are, I mean, who wears a micro mini and like a, a band out bra top? <laughs> to show an open house. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. I have to say, though, there's one note I have, and I, I do feel bad kind of joking about this, but Vanessa told a story when she first arrived on the scene, whatever season that was, that her sister, do you remember this? Like, she, you know, her sister passed away, which was really sad, but she's like, as my sister was dying, she made me promise to her that I would be a realtor. I was like, what? I do I remember never- that never heard of that as like a of all things to wish for someone as you leave this earth <laughs> carry on the mantle of please become a realtor all right yeah. christine who's over the top and we clearly only watch because we want to see what shit she's stirring and what kind of outfit she's so over the top it's hard to even watch sometimes i don't th- we didn't see her husband at all this season which i was fine with that we saw a no, lot but of him she said multiple times she she married for money yeah, I've heard um, that he's a complete asshole, which I'm sure you can tell. Just yeah. Yes. But I think that's probably why he's not around ever. I also love how they bring the new lady in and she connects so quickly with her that she's going to be her best friend. Oh, Chelsea. Chelsea from the UK who has a very interesting accent. I oh, you can't... think so? Oh, yeah. In In I... what way? It sounds like she's maybe from the UK, but she's been in the States for a very long time. It's kind of a culmination of a couple different accents to me well i felt like that about vanessa's boyfriend when he walked into that office and he was like nice to meet everyone they're like what's your accent and he's like i'm from england in case you couldn't tell and they're like uh no we can't tell his, his that whole story was another thing but yeah you know i like chelsea for the most part i think to me she kind of kept running a hamster wheel if she's like well, I want to get to know you for myself, but I am her best friend, but still I want to get to know you and don't judge me, but she's my best friend, so don't say anything. It's like, okay, which is it? Like, yeah. It was kind of the same thing over and over. Uh, but I think it's, she's like, I think she needed the first her first season to kind of ease into it and figure out, because it's a weird little world. It's super heightened. 
And if you're new to the dynamic of selling Sunset, I can imagine it takes you a long time to figure out, like, when do I stir shit up? When do I act like a normal human? So I'm sure next season. But some of her looks were really cool. Oh, my God. The outfit that she wore to the open house when she was wearing that tiny little Versace skirt with the little crop top and then the black Versace cape was so (laughs) over the top. I thought, where are you going? Where are you going? And all the men are like so average, except Emma's guy. I was like, oh, I was, uh, I was like, all right. Remember oh, really? Emma's? Yeah. I didn't know. Micah, the contractor? I didn't. Look at the other men on the show, Anne. Come on. I mean, comparatively. True. I have a problem have a with hair. I didn't okay, like. The hair, so the hair was tough. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure what was happening. I there. think he should have gone shorter because there, there's a little balding at the top. Yeah. So he, he's got to lean into that and go short. Right. What's Instead with her like... empanada shit? Why is she <laughs> this empanada entrepreneur, but then sells houses? Yeah, I think it's just because she was like, what can I do for a business that's clever? Emma, Emma, em, empanadas. And I think that's how it all began. Actually, really I didn't process. even think of Emma yeah. empanadas. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't it called Emma's empanadas or something? Probably. Some play on something it. like yeah. that. It wouldn't yeah. shock me. She's a little... Um, performative to me she's always yeah. very she's a, very much a barbie doll she's very always much. on i think the most beautiful is amanza amanza's gorgeous but we didn't see a lot of amanza no amanza. she's not really a real estate agent she's she's designer. a decorator or a yeah. designer she's a home stager i know it, it just sucks because she's obviously going through a lot and her husband like disappeared and that whole story was so weird but there is like a heaviness to her energy mm-hmm. that it's not quite why I'm watching the show, but Ooh, I don't want to say like, I mean, God bless her. You can tell that every scene she walks into, she's like, I had a really rough day, but I pulled it together and here I am. <laughs> you know, like you can kind of feel that. And it makes me, I feel so bad for her, but it's also like, I just, I'm here for the lightness and for the manufactured storylines. <laughs> yeah, the total manufactured storyline. The other manufactured storyline is Mary as being the office manager where no one really works anyway, but (laughs) Mary is the weakest manager I've ever seen. She's very weak when it comes to confrontation. She cannot have an argument. She always gets flustered and I feel bad for her. And she's a shit manager. (laughs) She's she's a shitty manager. And this is really superficial and shallow, but I guess this is the world we're in at the moment. Um, It's selling sunset. Her outfit choices are so puzzling to me. Yeah. I feel like she's a woman of means, you know, she's successful, she has a lot of money, but some of the time, like some of the things that she wears, are, it's very puzzling. And obviously she's, I mean, they're all beautiful, of course, but it's like, she's the one kind of like fashion victim that I'm waiting for her to have for like a moment <laughs> where she figures out her look and, you know, she's, she's very sweet, though. she's just very like kind of nervous, and, like yes. kind of on edge at all times. Yes. Uh, but you're right. It's like, yes, you are in charge of these women who come to this office to sit and talk and then go home. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When she's, you wouldn't pick somebody like that to be the manager of all these women, strong Not of these women. women. <laughs> and I have heard that um, she actually does have kind of like severe ADHD. Mm. And so I think a lot of it is is a little bit of that. But in terms of like, I mean, forget mannerisms for a second, just as far as like the character of her that you've created on this show, she doesn't really fit that role of the manager. Although I guess she's been there the longest. So who else would it be? You know, like it kind of has to be her. Well, nobody really works there. So (laughs) there's, and we know this, there's a whole team that actually works 
for Oppenheimer that Oppenheimer the Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer yeah. that are never seen and they're beautiful one of them was a contestant on The Bachelor oh wait so there are real people who work there yes yeah well one of them is Emma's ex-boyfriend who also dated Christine who works there but refuses to be on camera this is the one that Emma like pulled her like that's the guy that she confronted Emma or sorry Christine confronted Emma over where she like yes pulled up to her car and like yelled at her window yeah. or whatever that was Wow. Do you believe the storyline that Christina was paying somebody to $5,000 yeah, $5, to not use Emma as their real estate agent? I the, the reason I do is because I know this from just from work is like when you accuse someone of something like that, there are a lot of legal repercussions as a production company that you can't, you know, you kind of can't just throw like libelous crap around that you totally made up for a story because Christine could easily, I'd imagine probably sue for they're accusing her of whatever bribery essentially. So I feel like it came from somewhere and the fact that she didn't show up to defend it was a little question marky to me as well. She didn't show up to the last meeting. All right. Well, I did it again. Let's do the ultimatum. Gina, tell us what you thought of the <laughs> ultimatum because I think you're the only one in this group that I liked it. I enjoyed it. There, I said it. I enjoyed it. And do I need to see another season? Not necessarily. Would but... you watch another season? Interesting. You know, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, the premise to me was weird where they switched partners. I didn't like that. And then they come back together as a group and talk about each other's partner, but then they're living with the partner. It's uncomfortable. For yeah, me. I didn't like that. They should they add, should have added singles in there. I think we all agree that Madeline and Colby are fucking crazy. Yeah, creeps. His um I yeah, he's he's the kind of guy that I often like living in LA like there's a lot of people who do improv and you know when you see you know when a person does improv because they always have to be the funniest one in the room. So he gives me sort of improv adjacent vibes which is I get like magician vibes from him. <laughs> It's just how I feel. So uh, I, I feel like they sort of planned this together to come on the show. And I didn't really buy into the emotion of them being together. And I think she forgave him very quickly. Oh, and as somebody who just officiated a wedding, mm. you can't just get married on the spot. You have to go like you have to fill out all this paperwork ahead of time. You have to get your license. There have to be witnesses. And I was so bored that I looked up the <laughs> Texas marriage laws and it's the same as California, which is like you have to get all your paperwork in order beforehand. So do you she... think all the couples actually had their paperwork in order just in case? Oh, um, no, because <laughs> they're all disasters. I mean, none of them. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just really weird to see people take marriage so lightly. And I didn't know that in this day and age, there's still like. 25 year olds who are desperate to get married i thought we had moved on from that and even 23 yeah. and 24 year olds because uh april's 23 both, can i ask how old both of you were when you got married uh, <laughs> you're gonna say how old you are you know you don't want to <laughs> now that we're here on the podcast i just have a burning question how old are you wait how old well let me just how old preface... were you when you got married 23 <laughs> but oh. i was a very mature 23 <laughs> on the other hand there's a lot to be said for getting married although daughter. i will tell you and ann knows this i have a real issue my daughters are 20 gonna be 28 and 31 and i have a real issue with getting married before the age of 25 preferably 27 but with anybody getting married before 25 i was 26 so i thank god i was past your your prime there yeah <laughs> my do you both do you both uh 
believe in that return to Saturn thing that happens around like 27, 28. I've never, I don't know what that is. What is it? Really? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an astrological thing. It's when the planet Saturn returns to where it was when you were born. So it's like the return of Saturn into your zodiac. I don't know the full details, but what it means is somewhere in your like mid to late twenties, you have a big upheaval in your life that flips everything upside down, but then sets you on the course for where you're supposed to be. So incidentally for me, I was how old? 27, 28 when I came out. And that was like a whole, that literally my life flipped over. I've always said like 30 and after feels like a safe zone because I feel like that's when people really figure their shit out. Well, and speaking from experience, you change so much from 23 to 33, even you, it, you know, and then 43, it's like you're a completely different person. So people should just yeah. wait. <laughs> just wait. Just wait. Just What's wait. the hurry? What's the hurry? Well, mm-hmm. also, we're big advocates of education mm-hmm. and travel and whatever. And like, I just feel like you don't need to rush into it. Is there, a, uh, once you're married, is there a, a pressure to make it work for everyone else or did not like, how did you both feel after getting married? Because I feel like once you get married, it's like now the pressure is on to you have, like you kind of feel like, well, I'm stuck in this no matter what, which kind of then when you have issues, you don't want to work through them because you're like, whatever I'm here anyway. So who cares? Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're not married, one of you can very easily pack up and leave if you have an issue. So there's like real stakes to make, Hmm. I never really. I never about thought it. about that. I, I think I remember feeling just a total commitment to this person. I never felt like a pressure. No, nothing yeah, like that. Neither. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And we're both been married. Like I'm thirty, and you're thirty-four. Yeah, it's a long freaking time. You're thirty and thirty-four years old. Yes, we are. <laughs> Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah. That was my guess, anyways. So the ultimatum season two. I don't know if I'd watch it. It's. I mean, I probably would. I watch every fucking thing on TV, which we'll discuss. <laughs> I've watched so many shows that I want to tell you guys about. Don't know if you've watched them or not. Did you guys watch The Dropout on Hulu? Started, didn't finish. With Amanda Siegfried, she played Elizabeth Holmes. I watched the documentary, but I didn't get around to the show. So I watched the documentary also called The Inventor. I also, that was on HBO. I also listened to all the podcasts on it. We did a whole episode about it really early on in our, probably two years ago when this whole story came out with Elizabeth Holmes and my son was the guest. That was actually really fun. Oh, that's right. What? I want to listen to that. That's fine. The audio quality is probably horrible. I think we were at one microphone at that time. It was really bad. <laughs> and now look. Now you've And upgraded. now look at us. I actually really enjoyed this because it felt like I saw more of the big picture. I understood it more. I am just so fascinated with this. That whole story is just nuts. And now she's been sentenced. She's out on bail. She's been convicted. So she's waiting for the sentencing. She could face up to 20 years. She has a baby with this guy. So she married this guy. Or actually, she didn't marry him. It's her boyfriend. And he's an heir to like this big fortune. And his family knew who she was, found out who she was, and thought, oh, my God, she became pregnant on purpose to delay Mm. the trial. So they were totally against all this. But then when she went to trial, they were all behind her again. This Elizabeth Holmes lady... I'm telling you, she's nuts. So anyway, I thought um, Amanda Siegfried did a pretty good job. Just her mannerisms and everything and the way she did her hair. I thought she was pretty good. It's it's kind of a fun watch. What was her big... Was it Mean Girls? Like, what was her big role? I think of her as Mama Mia. Mama Mia. Mia. 
But I don't know if that was I'm sure. There was role. other big things. Tell me your show that you would. Well, we both watched. We watched the Abercrombie White Hot mm. and all of the oh my chaos that took place in the '90s and early 2000s with Abercrombie, and we know. We're very familiar with Abercrombie because, of course, our girls, our kids were all into it at the time. But what we didn't know was all the shit that was going on behind the scenes. They hunted for good-looking employees, all-American, yeah, all-American, basically white, to work in their stores. If there was anyone of color, they were put in a stock room and they weren't out on the floor. I mean, there it was just like one thing after the other. The photographer that they used, there was all kinds of sexual misconduct allegations. The CEO himself, Jeffries, he stepped down in 2013 or 2014, but he was crazy too. He was married, but I think he was homosexual. Yeah, they think he was closeted. Uh, yeah, have you seen the, the bags that when you would buy the clothes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was, so him and the photographer got together and decided that this clothing company should actually have shirtless men on the cover of their bags. Like that would sell the clothes, right? And they were on top of each other. I remember Abercrombie at the mall. First of all, I thought I always thought it was so expensive, which now it's kind of funny. But yeah. in that day, I thought that Abercrombie was a waste of money. It was very cheaply made and it was super expensive. But I remember walking in those stores and the shirtless guy standing at the front. Yeah. Yeah. As a young closeted gentleman <laughs> in middle school and high school, there is nothing that makes you realize what's what faster than an Abercrombie catalog or a bag or walking into the store. It was, I was, I feel like I was in high school during peak Abercrombie time. And it was definitely, so I grew up in a really small, wealthy white town. And I was like one of a handful of like people of color. So I already felt like the outcast, but all the popular kids, all of them shopped at Abercrombie. They all wore the cologne and everything. And I remember walking into that store and the girls section, shall we say, because it was for younger people, was to the left and the guys was to the right. So there was that separation and it was really dark and wooded and really dimly lit. And it was like, you just go to, it's like you're going to two separate stores. And I remember just like looking around and feeling really out of place. And, you know, the sweaters were $50 or whatever, Mm -hmm. which seemed like an exorbitant sum at the time. And it definitely made me feel like it contributed to my feeling of not belonging because my parents were just like, we're not spending money on this nonsense, which, you know, hindsight, totally fair. But it definitely created those like barriers between like the haves and the have nots. For sure. Yeah. yeah. First of all, it's still around. Yeah. And they're trying to revamp it. It's just well, never going to happen. They have a new happen. CEO. They're inclusive yeah. now, Anne. Yeah. So. Well, sort of. They brought in this diversity coach that literally did nothing. So the diversity coach was black and everybody else were white men. That's not the idea. But they've been sued by a lot of the former employees. They were hired and not given hours. Mm -hmm. They would call and say, so what are my hours this week? We don't need you right now. Or if you want to come and work in the back, that would be okay. Uh Crazy. Crazy. It was a crazy story. I had no idea. It's like I felt like something was skew there but i didn't know what it was i didn't as an adult with little kids i did not feel comfortable shopping there and i didn't really know why i think because i thought the naked people on the hypersexualization yeah maybe it definitely blurred the lines of like the age of you know legality or whatever because yeah yeah, it definitely like 
it just pushed young people into like I don't know, just like feeling like feelings about <laughs> whichever, yeah, yeah, maybe. whichever gender, which as a parent I can imagine is like a little uncomfortable. Yeah, it was just weird. Maybe I was attractive to the young man when I walked in, and that was what I felt. <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Yeah, and there was always like the yeah the shirtless guy outside. Yeah. Always there was something else. And then Hollister was like the step cousin of right. Yeah, felt way more comfortable in Hollister. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rit, what are you watching? What have you watched? So there's uh, a few, a couple of things that I'll I won't you know take up too much time on. But one is the Queen of Versailles reigns again. So if you saw the original documentary about the Queen of Versailles. Yes. You have, Anne. yes. have you, Gina? Yes, I have. So the Queen of Versailles is back. She was on Below Deck. I think she had a couple of appearances. So she basically, her husband, for those of you who don't know, he ran in Vegas. It was a huge timeshare company or whatever. And they had a ton of money around like 2007. And so this documentary was about the building of the largest house in America, which was done in Florida. And his wife was in charge of it. And he's, you know, the guy, the, the kajillionaire guy was super old and she was a little younger and she's a former beauty queen. Her name is Jackie Siegel and, you know, not the brightest, um, <laughs> but really just kind of like wide eyed and innocent. And she wanted to build the biggest house ever. So if you watch the original documentary, which I could not recommend more, even if you're not a documentary person, it's them building the house and then they lose all of their money due to the recession. Then the house is just remaining unfinished. And then they're living at home with all their kids and she's a complete hoarder. So it's just them amongst all this decay. It's like a modern day, uh, what was that? Jackie Kennedy's, the documentary. Oh, Grey Gardens? Grey Gardens, yeah. Yeah. It's like a modern day Grey Gardens. It's like they were just like crushed under their own wealth. So now she's back. They have all their money back somehow. And she's finishing the house. So the series is on Discovery Plus and it follows her finishing the house. And there's just no shortage of money. And it's really just like airy and kind of silly, but... And really frustrating if you really want to peel back the layers. But if you just want like an easy watch, I would recommend it because it's just watching somebody spend all the money in the world with no limitations. And she's a moron. So that's fun too. Yeah. Yeah. She's hard. <laughs> I find her hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. So did you watch We Crashed on Apple with uh, Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto? I will tell you though, I read the the Dumois blind items about how Jared Leto was a nightmare while they were filming. He would only have potatoes that were boiled in... Fiji water or Aquafina or something. Really? I heard he's very method. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me. There's a podcast about it called We Work. There's a documentary about it called We Work. So I don't know why they need to do these, you know, actors and actors, just like the dropout, the same thing. You know, I mean, I would rather watch the documentary and listen to the podcast, but I actually enjoy this because Anne Hathaway really lowered her voice to sound just like his wife, who is Gwyneth Paltrow's cousin. And they do a little funny thing about that. Like, Anytime somebody meets her, they're like, is Gwyneth going to be here? You know, they're and they weren't very close. Amazing. So that's kind of funny. It just finished. It's on Apple. It's probably about six or seven episodes. No big deal. That's doable, I mean, six or seven. Yeah, it's, it's definitely doable. It could be more. I don't know. I get I get lost. Anything else, Gina? Oh, Bridgerton. No, just Bridgerton. Ah. Rit, did you watch Bridgerton? I don't think you did. I did. I did not, but I want to. I promise I will get to it. It's on It's on the list, and we all know there's so much out there right now. Did you watch mm. the first Bridgerton? I watched the pilot. It was a lot to keep track of, so I didn't go back, but I will. Especially because of all the South Asian representation. Yeah. Season yeah. two, which I'm very excited about. So these were books, and yeah. um, people who I've heard personally from people who have read the books, they're not loving the series as much. But that's always how it is 
when you've read the book, it's much different. Apparently in the books, there's no sex at all. So Bridgerton 1 has more sex than Bridgerton 2. Yeah, and they acknowledge that. I've read a lot about it. And they felt like that they built relationships more and they focused on, you know, the sexual chemistry and all that. I didn't miss it. No, I there didn't There was either. one sex scene. I thought it was more very Jane Austen-ish where... It's all these missed opportunities, all this. Longing, right? Yes, the yearning and the longing. I love that even more. I find Jonathan Bailey, who played Anthony, so fucking attractive. He's so hot. And then Kate, played by Simone Ashley, beautiful. Even Kate's sister, Edwina, Edwina. I don't remember the actress's name. Gorgeous. I just love the storyline. It's such an easy watch. It was really all about Anthony and Kate. Yeah. So next season is going to be a think about Eloise. The now I love Eloise. Daughter. Yeah. I love So love, you don't love know who we're Eloise. talking about. No, I think I remember her from the pilot. She's yeah. like the, the, the outspoken one. one. Yeah, yes. the very yeah. funny one. So I think well, next season is about that. I think what's interesting and I think what's really smart just from what you're saying that they did is they changed the tone for the second season. And I think the mistake a lot of these shows make is you have one breakout season and then you try to repeat the exact same thing and then just fall away and no one's talking about you because been there, done that. But I think to change the tone and to not give you what you expect keeps people talking about it. I think that's really smart. I agree. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You were saying you watched something else on. Yeah, so I actually have two more things. So one is the real world uh, homecoming New Orleans. So this one is tough because it's on Paramount Plus. And I find that when I talk about the show, Paramount Plus is where people have drawn the line. Yeah, because you have to pay extra. Yeah. So I don't know who's going to be able to watch it. What they've been doing is they've been going through all the classic real worlds and reuniting the cast and bringing them back to the city, whatever city they were in for three weeks. They all live together and just talk about how life has changed. And they kind of, if they have leftover drama, they rehash all that. So I put on New Orleans because uh, some friends of mine worked on it. And the first two episodes were so good and really uncomfortable and informative and interesting and a lot of heart. I cried a little bit. I usually don't cry when I watch stuff. So you really see the toll that fame takes on reality stars, which I think the toll is a little different now because it's more common. But at the time, you know, you had Danny in New Orleans who became a flag bearer for gay relationships on television. And he crumbled under that pressure after the show wrapped. And it's really sad to see. And his boyfriend came on that season back in 2000 and had to be blurred because he was in the army. Mm -hmm. So you get to see the follow-up of that. And it is really, it's heartbreaking, but it's so, it also leaves you like with a smile because there's a lot of love there. And I really recommend it for the five of you that subscribe to Paramount Plus. (laughs) And then the other thing is a documentary on Discovery Plus called Dear Mr. Brody. It's about this guy in 1970 who was an heir to a margarine fortune and decided to give away his wealth to people if they just wrote into him with letters and said why they wanted the money. He wanted to spread love and spread the wealth. And what happened was the number of letters he got, it's an astounding number. And this is all takes place in about 10 days. And he's a little off. He's in his early 20s. He's a little like off, but he's like this really rich kid. And so what they did in this documentary was they, they trace his story through those 10 days and what happened after, which is like really unexpected. And they intercut it with people whose letters were never opened. And the production team tracked those people down and said, do you remember writing this letter in 1970 asking for money? And they're like, oh my God, I guess. They put those people on camera and said, read this letter out loud for the first time on camera. And it is so emotional and interesting And you get to see what these people were struggling with in 1970, what the state of America was at the time, 
what poverty looked like at the time. And also the guy is such a character. And so there's like these two separate tracks. So it's really interesting. And I, I really recommend that one too, because you get to see how much has changed and how much kind of hasn't changed uh, in, the, in this country as far as the distribution of wealth. So does a lot it, of fun twists and turns. Does it give anything away if I ask you if he's still alive? Uh, yes, it does. Okay. So he's dead. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that, Anne. Don't ruin the experience for people. Wait, and you said margarine fortune? Margarine, as in like the butter. The butter, the yeah, butter yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what I thought you yeah. said. I don't know. The money came from his father or something, but that's also a whole other thing. And it touches on things that you wouldn't expect. But, you know, I, listen, like all documentaries, you were asking before Gina about watching stuff. Like I'll watch things and I'm just like, this needs to be 15 minutes shorter. Yeah. So it takes like a good 15, 20 minutes to get going, but it's worth it to see the people read their letters and to see how his story ends up. So I recommend that. Another Paramount Plus, though. Yeah. No, no, no. So, Discovery. That's oh, Discovery. Discovery. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay so good. the Versailles. So Queen of Versailles reigns again. Dear Mr. Brody, both Discovery Plus. Okay. Real World is the only one that's on Paramount Plus. Okay. So I'm going to mention a little show mm-hmm. <laughs> called Big Enough that oh. <laughs> you turned me on to. It's a Japanese show about no, 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 old enough, old enough. Old That's enough. not like, big enough. No, it's old like, enough. Shit. It's old like enough. big Gina, enough. Where are we going? Enough? What is that? What kind of podcast is this? I think my I would goodness. like big enough better. Old enough. Yes, old enough that. Oh Ian, my God. Okay, did you watch it, Rit? I did. Yes. <laughs> I was so addicting. Dying. My kids think I'm nuts. They said, what in the hell are you watching? I cannot believe you're watching this. I go, wait, you just have to watch. It's 15 minutes. Just watch. Did you watch the one yep. where the, the kid with the fish? Oh, I watched yeah. the first two. Oh, he well, this is like the fourth or the fifth one. This fish, he, this he kept dropping it. And then and he the was, apples. Oh, God, the apples were dropping. I still have. I keep stopping it. I watched like a few. Well, they're, they're short, but it is yeah. so funny. And it's so it's these toddlers that they send to do these errands by themselves not really i mean there's cameramen and people all around but but don't know that the cameramen are part of it they don't know know. they don't know but again they're toddlers yeah some are two and three but they send them on these errands like okay i want you to go to grandma's house i want you to pick up a a bag of rocks and then i want you to walk to the temple and then oh my god it's like the amazing race for kids (laughs) and then they map it out on this map and they show you where the kid's going to go. And it's far. These little kids are sweating. They're tired. The funniest thing to me is they strap them down with a thermos and a fanny pack and a backpack. And they've got all this shit and they're just dying walking (laughs) up the hill. It's so cute. It's really something. And I think also it's cute when they get distracted and they're like, (laughs) Oh, and they stop to play or whatever. And there's like a dog or something like it's it's I watched it on Easter. My friends were over. They're like, put this on. And I was waiting for you, Gina, to explain it because I'm like, how do you explain this show to anyone? And just like the fact that you said toddlers running errands was so absurd. <laughs> it's, it's actually perfect. Yeah. Did but you see the one? This one cracked me up. Where it was a little boy, and his family has a mandarin mandarin orchard, yep. and the mom sends him in the house to go make some mandarin juice. And the little boy gets he totally farts around. Distracted. Dan goes, he's not going back with that Mandarin juice. I'm like, no. He's yes. not. But the mom keeps yeah. calling him and he answers the phone and you can hear her yelling at him on the phone. Yeah, and he's, he's like, like, so annoyed, right? He's like, oh, I'm yeah. not done yet. He's yeah. like, okay. 
and he hasn't started. It's so cute. That that's an addicting show. It, it's all in Japanese, yeah. with subtitles, but it is hilarious. People people had some outrage with regard to the show. I understand well, because saying, they didn't feel like that it was too much for the kids, and right. that they, they were putting them in danger or something. Yeah. There's people well, all and around. That's why? And my theory is that the American title is old enough, as in like they it, was, it, it almost was like a defensive title where they were like, "What do we call this?" So people will back off, and it's like old enough. Okay, they're old enough. <laughs> That's what that title sounds like to me. Listen, that two-year-old had a crossing stick. He could cross by himself. It's no big deal. Jeez. I mean, maybe we don't trust our toddlers enough in America. Maybe. Maybe we should oh, be sending them to the grocery Dan, store. Dan tells us all the time that he went to the grocery store when he was six years old to buy bacon. <laughs> He was he in Home Alone? That he truly believes it. He said, I swear I went to the grocery store at six. <laughs> he probably did. That's the scary oh, part. That's so funny. I have one more documentary to tell you about. I can't recommend it, but it may sound better than it is. It's called The Perfect Bid. Did you see that at all? Oh, is that about the prices, right? Yes. This poor guy. It. Did you see it? I didn't. I, I'm curious mm. about it, though. The big story, and I'll just tell you because you're, I don't even want you to watch it because this is that this guy, Terry, who had the perfect bid, he got the perfect bid from Theodore, who was in the audience. He never gave Theodore credit. He said, oh, I've watched this show forever Aww. and I, I know all about these prices. And poor Theodore never got the freaking acknowledgement that he oh, deserved. No. I know. But it's very sad because like this poor guy just still lives in the past. He has every number from every recording he went to. He went there 26 times. Oh, he was obsessed. He, yeah, he only got chosen once. But it was, so it's in sad. in other words, you're recommending a sad nerd documentary. It, yeah, and I'm, no, I'm not Just, recommending. I'm saying don't watch it. I have a few things right. that are scripted that I do recommend. I have, and I told you, Rid, about this. I have picked back up Grace and Frankie. Oh, I haven't watched that in a while. It's the last season. Yes. And I thought I forgot about that show. So I went back in. I, I was only on season one, like episode four. It is so funny. I honestly laugh out loud. I don't laugh out loud at a lot of shit. I was laughing out loud today while I was working. I had it on my little iPad laughing out loud at Lily Tomlin. Yep. She's so funny. I like June Diane. She's good too, Raphael. Yeah, everyone is really good. Actually, because I think you said it, Anne, I was just like, I don't know what to watch. And like, nothing's really clicking. I'm not a shit Creek person. I keep trying. I'm just not. Don't come after me. Uh, or you can. Bring it on. But I put on, I put on Grace and Frankie yesterday and I plowed through five of them because to me, it's always like, is this a world I want to revisit episode after episode? And it's a gorgeous beach house. It's like a Nora Ephron or no, not Nora Ephron. Yeah, um, Nora Ephron. No, no. Those movies that direct Nancy Myers. Oh, Nancy, Nancy Myers. Nancy yeah, Myers yeah, yeah. always has those like beautiful white yes. kitchens. Like it's that yeah. world and they're funny and it's written well. It's like. I'll probably watch more after we finish talking. You know? Well, there's seven so. seasons, so we have a lot more to watch and I can't catch up on. I believe it's been on seven seasons. I, I can't either. Wow. So I'm diving back into that. I watched um, Anatomy of a Scandal. Me and Dan did together. It's the English one. Sienna Miller, isn't Miller. it? Rupert Friend. is from Homeland. Recommend or don't? Um, That's it's, a no. It's all right. It's, it's, it's a good filler. I like anything English. Mm. You pause, so that's I know, a skip I know. for me. <laughs> I mean, here's what it is. He's in parliament and he's accused of rape. So, I, I mean, it's like this whole power, privilege, and male entitlement thing. But, I, I mean, I think it's pretty good. Did Have you guys heard of the movie Windfall with um, Lily Collins? She was promoting it recently on no. something. It's with Jesse, I don't know how to say his last name, Peemans. He's the one married to uh, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, Jesse Plemons, mm. yeah. Plemons, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jason Segal, um, he was on uh, How Segal. I Met Your Mother. 
Oh, Jason Segel. Oh, yeah. Segel. Yes, yes. I'm getting Jason all these Siegel. fucking things. Fuck. Jason Segel. It's the most depressing thing ever. Do not watch. Oh. I do not and recommend. these recommendations are like. <laughs> I'm giving you non-recommendations. Don't waste your time. Another Actually, don't waste your time. smart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give us more. Okay. This one was so awful. I was at a baby shower this last weekend. And this one lady oh. says, I watched this movie on Netflix. Oh, God. I hope she doesn't listen. No, I don't think she does. It's called 365 Days on Netflix. And she said... Oh, I've seen that. Oh, that really sexy one? Yeah. So here's how she described it. It's very sexy, almost porn. I'm like, yes, <laughs> tell me more. She, she says, it's it's about this mafia family. I'm like, okay. It's part in English, part Italian, part Polish. I'm like, very interesting. <laughs> so I literally got home from that shower and I'm like, I'm putting this thing on. It was so hard to watch. The sex was very porn. Too much. It wasn't, wasn't loving sex. <laughs> That's fair. Um, the storyline was non-existent. No joke. 20 minutes in. Uh, like, if I didn't know this was a mafia story, I was waiting. I, I had no <laughs> idea. Twenty. I checked it. 20 minutes in, it was all just sex. Possible mafia talk in Sicily. Possible. No storyline until 30 minutes in, and it was awful couple very good looking guys the acting was like a porno not that i know what a porn <laughs> movie is or the acting this is a safe space and <laughs> what was the gina what was the title or and what was the title you said that was wrong before that sounded like uh it was like the big uh, what were we talking about what did you the bat oh would you oh, call I it i said big enough <laughs> yeah this well, should have been this should have been big enough <laughs> And then I went in, I was like, let me look at like any of the actors, if I knew any of them, whatever. This is apparently the second fucking movie. People love the first one so much. But here's what it is. It did horrible in the box office, like in Poland or something. So they put it on Netflix. All of a sudden, Netflix is rising to the top. It's well, like top 10 in Netflix. Because of the right sex. The because of the sex. Hmm. He's pretty hot, but no. Well, I, I have to add one, actually, uh, now, that we're, now that we're telling people what to not watch. <laughs> and that is The Offer which is also on Paramount Plus, so you probably won't watch it anyway. But it is the scripted retelling of the making of The Godfather. And I love The Godfather, as many of us do. This was, uh, I did an episode of my podcast about Army Hammer and his like crazy family and what led to his like weird downfall. So Army Hammer, this was one of the projects that he was inspired from after all of the allegations came out about his abuse. And he was replaced with Miles Teller who is nothing like Army Hammer. So in my mind, I'm like, if if that's how they're replacing him, there's this character is obviously not super well written because it's not specific and anyone can drop into it. It is one of the worst things I have seen in a long time. <laughs> and all the reviews, I didn't read the reviews first. Like I watched it the morning it dropped because I was so excited. It is so literal and just like, oh, the movies. I love the movies and the movie. It's so, it's so painful to watch. It's just super clumsy. And then I read an interview with the writer who said, oh, I knew one crazy incident about the making of it. So all I had to do was build 10 episodes like around it because of that one incident. And that's exactly what it feels like. It's so stretched and not interesting, but it's a good cast. I mean, Miles Teller is good in general. Juno Temple from um, soccer show. Everyone loves Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. Juno Temple's in it. Um, Okay, I don't remember anyone else, but it's still a good cast, but it's just it's just really disappointing. So avoid it at all costs. Uh, Skip it, huh? Skip it. Skip it. All right. Skip it. See, we we cover all things here. That's right. Yeah, I think this is actually I like this. I like the recommending of what not to watch because that's where we're at. Right? There's just yeah, too much there's stuff out too there. much out there. 
Right now I'm watching Ozarks with Dan. So that's a nightly thing. We're watching Better Call Saul. Um, Has anybody watched the John Wayne Gacy? No. I don't like. I cannot. I cannot touch that. No. I can't get. Yeah. I know. I normally like. Like we like that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But the clown picture. I'm like, no, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a a little too dark. I don't even know the details. I just know Mm. the general premise. And it's just. I'm not a true crime person because. It's true, so it could happen to any of us, and it freaks me out, and I can't, I can't go down that road. So I love I like true crime. Well, did we cover it I all? I think we did. Rip, thank you for coming on, and thank you for um, going through this with us. Because through this recording, we were zooming and we lost Zoom. We went back on, and I forgot to push record. <laughs> then, and I've done that twice now. Then. As we were recording, the batteries went out in my recording device. So this has been quite a feat. So we will see my editing. Oh, my God. My editing skills. We'll see how well I do. And Rit, you can I'm be the sure judge of it. I'm sure it'll be just fine. Well, this might be the right time to tell you that the last section after the battery ran out, I forgot to hit record again on my end. So um, we'll talk. We'll sidebar. We'll figure it out. I think I can do it. It, it, This will be the challenge I've been looking for. (laughs) Thank you for coming on and spending your evening with us. Yes. Thanks, Rit. Thanks, Dames. Thanks, everyone. There is nothing like a dame. Nothing in the world. There is nothing you can name that is anything like a dame.